Blog Talk Radio. If it's smooth jazz, then the Jazz Queen is talking about it on Talking Smooth Jazz. Your place for all things smooth. Artist Nicholas Cole. Vincent Ingala. Jonathan Fritzen. And news with the smoothest show on the internet radio, your host, the Jazz Queen. Welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. My name is Terry, a.k.a. The Jazz Queen. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to join us in the chat room, please go to TalkingSmoothJazz.com and click on Dennis Poole's picture that will bring you into the chat room. The phone number is 646-716-5485. 646-716-5485. um, wow, it's really interesting. Uh, Dennis is a music journalist who operates the contemporary jazz website, smoothjazztherapy.com, the hottest place on the web for smooth jazz and classic soul. Dennis, welcome back to Talking Smooth Jazz. Well, thanks, Terry. It's nice to be here. Oh, I'm happy to have you here. So, on August 23rd, we interviewed keyboardist Jason Carroll um, regard, about his Let It Flow CD, his new release. And Dennis was a guest on that show. Um, in 2007, Jason released his debut CD called Cool, and Dennis reviewed that CD. And I'll never forget the first words of that review. It says, has if from nowhere. Um, referring to as if Jason came from out of nowhere because the CD was really that good. And so after that interview, oh, and by the way, um, I found out later on that Jason was calling us from Afghanistan. He is in the military. So um, he said that he would be home in November, and we're looking forward to for him to have a safe travel home. But after that interview, I got curious about Dennis and how he got started in the smooth jazz business, how he got started writing reviews, and how he got uh, the smooth jazz therapy site started. So I invited him back onto the show today. All right, so Dennis, let's start with um, your background um, in music. How did you get started in the music uh, part of it? Well, I, I think in terms of what I do now, it all comes uh, from a love of the music. And I, I suppose mm-hmm. when, when I look back over the years, it's been a, a lifelong love affair with music and uh, particularly soul music, which has evolved for, in terms of my interests in the contemporary jazz. And I started listening to music you know, way back in the 60s without giving my age away, Terry. That's when I was listening. Okay. Now, who did you listen to, and how, and how did that music influence you? Oh, well, 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 hugely. I mean, especially, you know, I'm English, as people can tell. I'm based in the UK, uh, and, uh, and I've lived in the UK all my life. And in, in the 60s, you know, there was, a, there was a real music explosion. Things started to happen very, very quickly, you know, on the back of bands like... Uh, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, there was more and more English artists uh, making themselves known, and at that time, they needed material to record, and what they did was, they went 
to the USA and they found obscure tracks that had been recorded over there and, and they brought them back to England and, and, and made them hits. And that sort of got people like me curious about, you know, what's the origins of this music? What, what were the original artists? What did it sound like? Could we get to listen to it? So that's how... That's how uh, English music lovers' interest in soul music came about in the 60s because we tried to track down the original recordings of the tunes that popular English bands had taken and, and, and made their own. I mean, I have an example, a little example. You remember Dusty Springfield back in the 60s. Uh, Dusty recorded an album in 1965 called Everything's Coming Up Dusty. And, mm -hmm. and on that album, there was, a, there was a, a, a Goffin and King song, Oh No, Not My Baby, which was a hit in the UK for Dusty. But I got onto that and I did a little bit of research just as a music fan and I found that it had originated in the USA the year before, in 1964, on an album by Maxine Brown. So... So the, 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 thing, the thing we used to do was we used to go into record stores and we used to get the record stores to order in the original recordings. And in that way, black music got a lot of traction in the UK in those early 60s in a way that maybe it didn't at that time in the USA, you know, in, in terms of a... Uh, a cross-cultural situation, black music was picked, upon, picked up upon much quicker in the UK and, mm -hmm. and, and the tracks that were relatively rare in the USA became, you know, big hits in the UK. So, 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 so that's how it started, you know, getting into soul music, going to record stores, searching the racks for interesting recordings, you know, taking them home, listening to them, widening my knowledge of the music in that way, and just, you know, immersing myself in it. Okay. Um, Mike just joined us. Hey, Mike. Hey, Terry. How's it going today? Good. Now, look, Mike, I told um, <laughs> Dennis that you probably would not be calling in because I know the Cowboys are playing, and um, that is your team. So are they playing now? Uh, yes, the game just came on, so yeah, they are playing. <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, I, 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 I'm very flattered that you would put me in, <laughs> ahead of the Cowboys. That's quite something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, um, hope, well, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, Mike, and hope they win. <laughs> okay, so, Dennis, now, um, R&B music, was that not readily available in the U.K. at the time? Did you always have to have that music um, imported in? Well, initially, initially, it always had to be imported in. But because, uh, you know, more and more people were seeking out these imports and, and asking record stores to do that importation for them, you know, the, the music started to come across here anyway. And, 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 and many artists, you know, became stars in the UK through that sort of process. But, but, but a lot of the music I've always bought in the UK, you know, uh, smooth jazz included, certainly in the 70s and 80s, was imported music. And, and one of the cool things for a, um, a music fan like me was you knew when it was imported because it had a special little sticker 
on the uh, on the CD cover or on the album cover that told you it was an import. So that made okay. it a bit more special and a bit more rare. So it was quite a thing to have that that import sticker on you know on on the cover of the music that, uh, on the piece of music that you might be wanting to listen to. Okay. So yeah, so yeah, import in, in, in initially, and and then more mainstream. You could just go, especially Motown music and Philadelphia music, that became readily available as the '60s went on. Okay, and when when did you um, was it when you ta- started to take an interest in doing reviews? Was that did that not happen until after you got into smooth jazz? Oh no, that didn't happen for a long time. I mean, okay. I, before I, before I did that, I really had to discover smooth jazz, and of course, in those days, there was no such thing as smooth jazz. But mm-hmm. around about 1971, uh, when I heard an album by Junior Walker and the All Stars called Moody Junior, there was a track on that album. You'll know the track very well called Walk in the Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought, wow, you know. He's instrumental soul music. This is a bit different. And, you know, and if you think about it, you know, that sort of intra- instrumental soul music really was the basis for everything that we listen to now in the contemporary jazz world. Uh, and, and certainly, even back then, you know, 1971, I'm thinking, you know, this is a bit different. You know, maybe, maybe this is a genre all in its own right. And it's interesting because that track, Walk in the Night, that Junior Walker recorded back then, Paul Hardcastle, who we all know and love, he actually covered that track in 1988. So the whole idea of uh, contemporary jazz artists picking up on old soul tunes and and giving them a makeover, you know, started that far back. And then and then maybe you know, right alongside Junior Walker as, as somebody who made me think that there might be a different kind of music out there. Uh, Isaac Hayes is a brilliant example. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we've all heard the, uh, the soundtrack album from the uh, motion picture Shaft. Well, mm-hmm. in my opinion, you know, and that, that was made in 1971, that music was like 20 years ahead of its time. That was real contemporary jazz stuff. It was, there was a lot of fusion in there. And, and there again, that, that, that made me think, and it, you know, it got me switched on to maybe, you know, a, a different type of soul music, a, a, a soul music that was driven by instrumentals rather than vocals, and, you know, something that I became very interested in. And you also uh, mentioned um, in your bio here about the Bob James soundtrack um, to Taxi. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, too. That, that for me was huge. I mean, that was 1983, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and that kind of and that kind of falls into the same category as the as the Shaft soundtrack in that it was mm-hmm. it was bringing contemporary jazz music to a wider listening audience, even though that audience didn't quite know what they were listening to. They liked it and and and, and they made that music popular. But I mean, even before. Uh, Bob James's uh, uh, Genie in 1983. That was that was the album that the Taxi music came from. You, you, you can pick up in 1976 the George Benson album Breezing, which was probably one of the very very first authentically contemporary jazz recordings because I mean it, it had Masquerade on it, it had bre- it had the title track on it, Breezing and you know th- those tracks sound just as good today as what they did all that time That's ago. That's right. 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, true. That, and, and, yeah. And, and that's because, like you said, most of the music from back then was was years ahead of its time, and plus the fact that uh, the musicians back then were so heavily into their instrumentation and their craft that, you know, um, to today's music is mostly done by, um, you know, sampling and, and uh, you know, not a lot of creativity. You know, back then guys had creativity to come up with these kinds of um, arrangements and things like that, yeah. you know, so that's yeah. what kind of uh, intrigued a lot of people as far as the um, the, the, the uh, sound for back then. That's absolutely right. And I mean, yeah, you know, uh, the skill level, you know, as musicians, you know, could not have been higher. You know, they were they were masters of the craft and they were, they were turning those skills to a, to a type of instrumental music that, that we hadn't had the chance to listen to before. And, it, you know, it was real exciting at the time. I mean, there's another there's album another about the album same about time, 1979, Tom Brown, the Brown Sugar CD, which is a, a fantastic... CD, you know, easily 20 years ahead of its time, and you know, I was doing a bit of research to come on here today, and I, and, and I went into the, I went into my record library, and I put, pulled out that Brown Sugar uh, CD, you know, 1979, and, and it's interesting to see that on that album was one of the first ever smooth jazz covers, I mean, we know today that the smooth jazz cover is almost a sub-genre of, of, of its own, but if you go back then, people weren't taking soul music and covering them in a contemporary jazz way, but Tom Brown did. I mean, on that album, The Closer I Get to You, uh, with vocals by Patty Austin, and, and also the Marvin Gaye number, What's Going On. So even back then, there was really a lot of exciting things happening. Right. Okay, so... Yeah. Who who was the first smooth jazz artist that you saw in concert? Concert. Um, Mike, I'm getting some feedback from your phone. I mean, that's 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 really a great question, that because you know, being in the UK, you know, through the seventies and the eighties, smooth jazz musicians did not tour in the UK. They never they never came out of the United States. So. You know, we could only listen to that music, you know, on record or on radio. So it was only in the in the 90s. And, 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 and I think if we look at the, the time span that covers contemporary jazz, and if we say it started around about 1975, 1976, and it's still going strong today, I would think maybe if you had to choose a golden age for that music, you know, a decade maybe where it was never better, where it was really at its best. You know, I'd have to pick out the 90s for that because there were so many exciting things going on. You know, uh, artists like the Rippingtons coming to the fore, you know, artists like Foreplay coming to the fore, Pieces of a Dream, Special Effects. So the 90s was a fantastic time, and, and it was in the 90s when I saw my first live smooth jazz concert and that was when uh, the guitars and saxes tour actually uh-huh. came to London for the first time that was Dave Cos, Peter White Mark Antoine and uh, Steve Cole and they played they played a venue in 1999 in London called the Hammersmith uh, Empire and uh, that's a 2,000 seat venue so it's quite big uh, 
it's sold out within a day of the tickets going on sale. So what they oh, have to wow. do was they have to put on a second show. So what they did was they put on a midnight performance. So the normal show started at 8 and played till about 10.45. And then the first 2,000 people left and another 2,000 people came in to watch the midnight performance. So that just goes to show, you know, just how excited UK audiences were to uh, to actually see live contemporary jazz, and that and, and and that was the first live show I ever went to, and and it actually indirectly got me into writing about it because one of the first pieces I ever wrote, and I'll explain to you how I got into the writing thing in a moment, but one of the first pieces I ever wrote was about that particular concert. It was a concert review on the guitars and saxes tour at the uh, Hammersmith Empire in London. 1999. What, 1999. Now, wouldn't it be nice if today the jazz artists could could have 2,000 people come up to their shows, sell it out, and have to book a second show? That would be just awesome. That would wouldn't be awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Oh, because, my gosh. Because, you know, Terry, that just doesn't happen now, does it? No, no. Yeah. No, right. not at all. Wow. But, you know, I don't know if you guys can see it. Am I still getting feedback? No. Okay. Well, no, what you guys were mentioning earlier about Tom Brown and the uh, different artists that he named, and I was saying that uh, George Duke, um, the stuff that he did in, in the 70s and, and 80s as well could be uh, in the conversation of the kind of music that uh, kind of trans, um, kind of kind of transformed the uh, genre because, you know, mm-hmm. George was pretty much in between that R&B and jazz kind of line, you know, back then. Yeah, he oh, was. Yeah. He was there. That, that's, a, that's a great example. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, I mean, George Duke is, you know, he's like, he, he's like an icon. I mean, it was so sad when he died this year. But, uh, but yeah, he, he, what he did and, and others like him, what, what he did in the 70s and the 80s really formed everything that followed. You know, you, you, you hear some of the, uh, the, the modern-day artists and a lot of what they're doing, they're taken directly from those guys. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That That's very true. And, 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 and as you say, it's that, it's, that, uh, it's that crossover between jazz and R&B and R and that makes it, really, because, you know, we've all been in that position, haven't we, where somebody who doesn't know about smooth jazz asks us to explain what it is. You know, what's smooth jazz, you know? And it, it's really difficult to explain, isn't it? It's really difficult to explain to somebody that it isn't what they think it is, you know, because they think it's like straight-ahead jazz, and it isn't. And, it, and it, it's hard to explain. And so sometimes when I am explaining it, I say, you know, think of R&B music and, 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 and take the vocal track away. That, that's what I said. That's right. Take the vocal mm-hmm. And what you're left mm-hmm. with is really contemporary jazz. Uh, and, and, you know, people like George, Duke, you know, did did a lot for the genre in that in that very way. Now, do you yeah. prefer the term smooth jazz or contemporary jazz? I don't. A lot of people don't like smooth jazz because they think it makes it sound like kind of bland. I'm all right with smooth jazz, to be honest. I, I I use the terms in an interchangeable way. Sometimes I'll call it smooth jazz. Sometimes I'll call it contemporary jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've no strong views on that, but I certainly know some of the artists, some of the musicians do, do dislike the term smooth jazz. And in a way, they don't like to be associated with it. But 
I've never yeah. quite understood that, to be honest, Terry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's really getting to a point now where we might as well call it uh, a contemporary or instrumental R&B because, you know, that's where the sound is kind of uh, going to, especially with a lot of the newer artists that are coming out today that are yeah. kind of giving us this nice up-tempo music, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the term for, you know, uh, you know, instrumental R&B. I like to call that urban jazz. I think urban yeah. jazz is a good term for that. I think mm-hmm. it works. I, I like that term a lot. I mean, I, did, I, I didn't invent it, but I like, I, I like it. And, and, and I do use urban jazz to, 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 to explain to people the type of music that they can expect to hear from a particular artist. You know, I also think Kim Waters is a is is, a, is an urban jazz artist because mm-hmm. you know there's, there's, there's so much R&B in his music. Uh, you know, I might I wouldn't say that Culbertson was a was an urban jazz artist, but he sometimes crosses over into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in 1999, you did your first review of a concert. Now, do you have a journalist background? No, no, but no, I, okay. I've always had an interest in writing, but I've never written professionally. Uh, it's just it's just something I like to do. I suppose the big thing to to say here, you know, we talked about 1999, which is true. That's when I I, I, I produced my first uh, written piece on, on on smooth jazz. But the big thing that happened in the 90s, as well as there being a lot of great music about you know, computers started to become commonly used mm-hmm. because without the computer, you know, without the internet, well, well, for the start, we wouldn't be having this discussion tonight, but, you know, I would never have been able to get started doing what I do if it hadn't been for the internet. I mean, I'd used computers at work in the 90s, but I didn't get my first PC at home until like about 1997, right? So it, it, it was all a, re, a, a, a new thing. So at that time, so it, it, it gave us, like it still does now, it gave, gave us brilliant access to things that we had no access to before. So we could do research about our music. We could find music. We could, we could read websites about music that we didn't know existed. And so I found this website called Smooth Jazz Vibes. You'll know Smooth Jazz Vibes. Oh, yeah. It comes, yeah. From, it comes from Switzerland. It's, 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 it's managed by a guy called Peter Bohe. Uh, he's Swiss. And anyway, and I used to read Smooth Jazz Vibes. And, and people used to contribute to it. People like Jonathan Widren used to comp- co- uh, contribute to it and things mm. like that. And, and so and I used to read those pieces, and I, uh, and I used to think they were good. And then I thought, out of nowhere, really, I thought, you know, I would quite like to do that. I could do mm-hmm. that. I would mm-hmm. quite like a try of that. So, so I sent an email to Peter in Switzerland, and I said, you know, I'm Dennis Poole. I like smooth jazz. That's it. And that's about all I can tell you. And, and I would like to submit some articles for publication if you think they're fit. And, and straight away, and I mean, you know, all my thanks go out to Peter because he got me started in it because he came back to me and said, sure, send something in and, uh, and if it's good, we'll put it on the page. And so that was, when I, when I sent in my first piece, which was a review of that Guitars and Saxes uh, concert, that's where I sent it to, and that's where it was published. Okay. And, uh, and, and Peter said to me, he said, all right, he said, if you're going to write a regular 
column for us. If, you, if you're going to be a regular contributor, you need you need a name for your page. You need you, you need to call your you need to call your area something. So I thought, what can I call it? So I've always been a big fan of the Quincy Jones track, Secret Garden, that has Kirk Whalem on it on sax. Everybody knows that track. It's fabulous. So anyway, so I said, all right, I'll call my, my area of smooth, smooth jazz vibes, I'll call it Dennis Poole's Secret Garden. And so that's what it got called. So everything that got published on smoothvibes.com uh, smooth was in the area called Dennis Poole's Secret Garden. And I still mm -hmm. do that column now because Peter gave me my start. I always submit at least one piece a month and it, it goes up there. And, uh, and all my old pieces for the, like the last 15 years, they're all in the archives. So if anybody who's listening is interested, they can go to smoothvibes.com, they can go in the archives and, can, and they, can, they can access Dennis Poole's Secret Garden all the way back to the year 2000. So, mm. so, so that was so that was the start off. So uh, I uh, I did that, and then I used to write one piece each month and send it in, and uh, and Peter used to Peter used to post it on the site, uh, and that and that was good, and that got me started. But of course, you know, I've put myself out there. I've said I'd like to submit pieces. I'd like to write about music. And that's the easy bit. And then you start to think to yourself, heck, what am I going to write about? You know, this is, this is going to be difficult. I need something to review. I need music to review. And of course, you know, now all the major labels send me CDs for re review. I don't even have to request them, you know. They either, either send them electronically or they send me a physical copy. But, you know, back then I was just starting out. None of the major labels knew how I was, so they, mm -hmm. they wouldn't send me any music. So... I started off by getting music from brand new up-and-coming artists, people that ah. nobody had heard of before, mm -hmm. and, and because they were the only people who'd send me their music so I could review it and, and, and get the word out there. And, 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 and in that respect, that was quite a good thing because those new artists, you know, uh, read my material, read the sort of thing that I put down there, and they began, they began to trust me. They knew I wouldn't sort of uh, unnecessarily criticise a piece of music just because I thought I was a critic. You get some guys who write about music, they don't get paid for it, but they still criticise the artist, and I've never been like that. I, I only ever write positive reviews. Now, that mm -hmm. doesn't mean to say... I don't sometimes uh, receive music that I don't like. I mean, I quite often receive music that I don't like or that I don't think is very good or I don't mm -hmm. think is very well produced. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I get, I get that all the time. But that doesn't mean to say I have to write about it. So all I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll write back to the artist who sent it to me and I'll thank them for the trouble and I'll say, you know, it doesn't quite fit with what I'm doing this time, but next time you've got something out, think of me and send it to me. And so mm -hmm. in that way... People are very, very trusting with what they send. They can send me anything. Sometimes they'll just send me one track and they'll say, I'm working on an album. What do you think of the track? Has it got the right vibe? Can you see anything in it? And, and, and they sort of respect the feedback that I'm able to provide, knowing that I'll never put anything on the site that is detrimental to their career. Because let's think about it. In this tough world of music, you know, the artists have enough problems without critics criticising the music for no so good reason. 
so yeah. true. And and that happens so often. You know, I can I, I can name names. I'm not going to name names, but the, the, there are guys out there who write really horrible critical yeah. reviews, and, mm-hmm. and I don't even know why they do it. It's it's just it's just not fair. It's disrespectful, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, that's so, so true. And uh, you mentioned uh, Peter. Like I said, he's a, he's a great guy as well. Uh, I've met him at uh, Brooks Jazz yeah. Fest, and uh, he's also come down to the uh, Capital Jazz Festival as well. And here in DC, yeah, he so likes the Capital Jazz nice Festival. Yeah. He always goes to the Burke's Jazz Festival as well in Redding, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He likes that, and uh, he's he's a great supporter of the music. You know, he's, yeah. he he never fails in the support he provides to it. He's he, he's a great guy, and and for yeah. me, you know but in pieces to him as I still do he's real easy to do business with you just send it in in fact he lets me just post it myself these days I just put it up there you know he doesn't even know what I'm going to put there so 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 that's really trusting so so that was smooth vibes and that got me started and then after that uh, because I wanted to do something else I thought of this idea about uh, and it, it really was based around the smooth jazz cover, you know, that how smooth jazz artists often cover famous old soul numbers. Well, there was more and more of these coming out all the time, and as you know now, they're still coming out. But uh, uh, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a site called soultracks.com. You might know yeah. soultracks.com. Yeah, it's by, that's uh, right, Chris Riddick. Out, yeah. out of Detroit. It's a brilliant site. So anyway, mm-hmm. much like I'd written to Peter, I wrote to Chris and I said, I've got this idea. I'd like to take a much-loved soul tune and I'd like to write a piece about the history of it and then finish off by detailing out all the cover versions that have been made of it by contemporary jazz artists. So he says, that's a great idea. So we called it the Smooth Soul Survivor column. And, and, and I wrote that for him for about two years. So each month, I'd pick a tune, I'd do some research to it, I'd then check back on its history of how many times it had been covered and by who, and if it was appropriate, if there was a, a soul to smooth jazz link, I would produce a piece. And, and I think they're all there also in, in, the, uh, in the Soul Tracks archives as well as uh, Smooth Soul Survivors. So that was another thing I was doing. So I was doing, I was doing Smooth Soul Survivor, and then I was doing Dennis Poole's Secret Garden for Peter. So that was going on. Uh, and then, uh, then in 2005, I just fancied doing something on my own, and that's when I set up uh, Smooth Jazz Therapy. That was in 2005. Yeah. So I... Uh, I uh, bought the uh, I bought the URL www.smoothjazztherapy.com uh, and uh, and I just started producing pieces on there. Cause by that time I'd been writing about music for five years, so I was getting a lot more review submissions sent to me, a lot more uh, major labels and major artists reaching out. So I had more to write about. But what I wanted to make Smooth Jazz Therapy, and I hope people agree that it's still this way, I wanted to make it so that whenever somebody went to the site, there was usually something new there. So they always Mm -hmm. knew there'd be an activity. Because I hate going to websites 
one week and reading the page, and then going two weeks later and nothing's changed. It looks like nothing's going on. So with smooth jazz therapy, I want it to be vibrant and dynamic. I want it to be like little new snippets mixed up among CD reviews, mixed up among concert reviews, gig reviews and things like that, mixed up among little spotlight features on artists and that sort of thing. So that's the way I do it. Whenever somebody goes to smooth jazz therapy now, they see something new every two days. And that's a bit of a challenge for me sometimes uh, to keep it fresh and, and, and to keep new pieces going. But I love doing it, so that works quite well. So, oh. that, so, that was three, so that was three things. I was doing all those three things together. Smooth Jazz Vibes, uh, Smooth Soul Survivor with Soul Tracks, and then I had, uh, and then I had uh, my own site, Smooth Jazz Therapy. And if that wasn't enough, I started write, writing some pieces for Smooth Jazz Now. That's the Canadian site run by John Borden. You'll know that site. Uh, that's come on a lot now. They stream music off the site all the time now. It's more of a radio station than, than a website. But at the time I used to write for it, it was just an informational website. So that was Smooth Jazz Now. I did a, one piece a month for that. And then after that, uh, there's, a, there's a site. It's no longer in operation called Jazz Review. And they asked me, asked me to be the interviews editor for Jazz Review. So what I had to do there was, there was like a little group of writers who used to do interviews, like telephone interviews, Skype interviews, face-to-face -face interviews with artists. And I used to have to edit the pieces when they sent them in and make them fit for purpose and put them up on the site. And I also did some interviews of my own. So in, 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 in doing that particular role as interviews editor, I got to interview some really good people people like Mason and Bob Baldwin, people like that, which was fabulous for me. Mm. Now, I wanted to um, go back to, to uh, smooth jazz, smoothvibes.com where you said oh, yeah. um, you, well, maybe not there, but you had mentioned that you, you started doing your reviews on up-and-coming artists. Can you yes. name some of those artists that you started reviewing? Who, who were they? Well, I, I need to think of somebody who was up and coming then and isn't now. So let me think. Let me think. Uh, oh, I'll, t I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a great one. I'll tell you a really good one. Michael Manson, the bass player. Wow, Out okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you know, Michael couldn't get his music reviewed anyway for some for some crazy reason. I mean, Michael Manson is George Duke's bass player. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it, he's a big name, but you know, with, with with regard to his own projects, he was finding it difficult getting the word out there. So I did some pieces for him, and that worked really well. Uh, so he, he's, he's a real notable. He's a great soul singer uh, out, out of uh, Detroit, Nicole Mitchell. You'll know Nicole. She, I, I, I did some pieces for her when she just cut her first album. You know, nobody heard of her at all. And now, you know, she's made about four or five albums since. So, so generally along the way, you know, I've, I, I've been connecting with people, you know, really early on in their careers. And it's, it's been good. And, uh, well, another one, I mean, and you, and you mention him in your little introduction to the show, Vincent Engala. You know, I was writing about mm. Vincent before anybody else was. Mm. And, 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 and what a star Vincent has turned into. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, everybody, Definitely. everybody wants Vincent on the shows these days. But yeah, he's, Vincent's a great, a, a great guy. I met him personally. I met his mother and father. They were brilliant people. And uh, yeah, it's a nice connection. Mm, okay. I have a question yeah, for you. I wanted to ask him real quick. I wanted to ask Dennis real quick. Um, the popularity of the genre over there, the, the artists, they can come over to the UK and sell out venues and have such a uh, following in the UK uh, versus the following that they would have in, in, in the States. This is for new and upcoming artists. What do you contribute that to? Um, because like like you mentioned, Vincent and Michael Manson, they can come over there and, and have a great crowd at, at certain venues in the U.K., but come home and, you know, people over here, they're kind of like, you know, who's that guy? I know him, but I don't know if I want to see him. So what do you contribute in the U.K. to the popularity of the artists over there? Well, I mean, it, it's fair to say that, you know, much like, much like in the USA now, you know, it's not a mainstream genre anymore, you know, it's a, it's a niche audience, you know, mm-hmm. but the thing is in the UK, that niche is big enough, you know, to generate some good audiences, and mm. the thing about that niche, you know, they just don't show up because they're going to go to a show, they're really passionate about the music, I mean, I watch a lot of shows in the USA now, and and the difference between U.S. audiences and, and U.K. audiences are like light years apart, you know, because like in the U.K., you know, they're like, they'll really sit and they'll listen, you know, they'll take in every note of it, you know, they're hanging on every note almost, whereas a U.S. audience is more spontaneous, you know, everybody's hooping and hollering and having a good time <laughs> and shouting out. They're loving the music just as much, but, it, but they show it in a different way, whereas, you know, you, you, you see a, an audience of contemporary jazz fans in the U.K., they're really locked into the music, so I, I think it's I think they have this, they have more of a passion for the music, the more deeper into it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, Joe from Germany in the chat room um, has a question. He wants to know oh, yeah. if you play any instruments. Well, that, that's a good question. I can play the trumpet, right? But I don't play it as good as Rick Brown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I... I used to play the trumpet when I went to school. I used to play it a little while afterwards. I lapsed it, to be honest, so I haven't kept up with it. But, you know, once you can play it, you can always play it. So if I bought one and got, got it out of its case and tried to play a few notes, uh, I'm sure I could get back there. But, uh, and another answer to the same question, one of my ambitions, you know, my bucket list, we all have a bucket list, things that we've got to do before we die. And, and one of the things on my list is I want, to learn, I want to learn to play the keyboards. I can't okay. play the keyboards right now, but I want to learn to play, and that is one of my things that I'm going to get round to. So I can play the trumpet a little bit now, I can read music, and I'd like to be able to play, play the keyboards. Okay. Now, I am on your website, and I see that you have already reviewed Peter White's new CD, Smile. Um, you reviewed well, the single, just, just, actually. Just a just yes. single, that's right. Yes, yes. Just what single. I always try to do is, if a single comes out ahead of the release of the album, I'll always do a little news piece you know, on the single, and then sometime later, I'll do a comprehensive review of the whole CD. Okay, so, so yeah, share that, what you thought yeah. about the single. Oh, fantastic. I mean, you know, 
I'm not just saying it because Peter's English, but, you know, Peter just has a magic touch when it comes to uh, writing and performing very, very accessible, radio-ready content with jazz. That's what it is, you know. You know, it's it's not difficult to listen to, but it's always got a great vibe. He, uh, you know, he, he he's never shy in allowing uh, guest performers to collaborate with him. So, like on that particular track, you know, there's a little bit of saxophone, there's a little bit of trumpet. You know, it's all it's all it's all it's all, it's all good. You know, it's an ensemble piece. And, you know, whenever you see Peter perform live, and I've seen Peter perform live many times, you know. He can translate what he does in the studio, like on that track, right to a live setting. So I think if, if the rest of the CD is, is, is anything like that track, I think, you know, it's going to be, you know, one of the top releases of 2014. And there's been some good ones this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. So you can read the review of uh, Peter White's Head, Head Over Heels. That is the new single from his new CD, Smile, on Dennis' website, smoothjazztherapy.com. Now, Dennis, when you receive a CD to review, and once you listen to that CD, do you immediately um, start writing about it, or do you sometimes have writer's block and have to really think about what you want to say? Well, the hardest thing that I do is reviewing CDs, and and the hardest, and, and I, I, I'll tell you why I think it's the hardest because it's the way I do it. I, I kind of make it difficult for myself because I like to give people a bit of background about the artist, so that's one mm-hmm. thing. That's the easy bit. But I like to make reference to every single track on the CD. Mm-hmm. Too often I pick up a CD review and it doesn't tell you about any of the tracks. It just tells you about the artist and, and a few things. It might mention one track. But what I like to do is I like to, I like to reference every one. So making it flow so one track runs into another and 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 and, and, and wordsmithing it if you like to make that flow is the most difficult thing so what i usually do is this this is how i normally review a cd so i'll do this maybe twice a week because typically i do i do two a week that that would be about it so about a hundred a year so first thing i'll do is I'll listen to it in the car, right? That's why I like people to send me physical CDs not, uh, and not uh, and not just MP3s. MP3s. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind MP3s, you know. I mean, it's the way of the world. I mean, in two, two or three years' time, it'll all be MP3s. But uh, I, I like a physical CD. I like a physical CD because I can, I can play it in a CD player anywhere. And mm-hmm. also... I like a physical copy because I can read the liner notes. Now, I'm one of these guys. I've always loved reading sleeve notes and liner notes. I think you can get so much information off of the notes. Uh, It's incredible. So if I'm going to review a CD, I like to know which artists have performed on each track, who were the backing musicians, who produced it, who wrote it, and you can get all that off the sleeve notes. So first thing I do, I go out in the car or when I'm going to work and I'll, 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 I'll listen to it, right? I'll listen to it a couple of times and then parallel to that, I'll read the liner notes so I'll know a little bit about it. Then I'll come in my office I'll put the computer on, and I'll put the CD on as well, and then I'll play it again, and of course I've already heard all the tracks twice, so I know what's coming, and as I'm listening to them, I write about each one as I'm listening to them. Mm. So, I can, so from that point, when I switch the computer on, I can 
it usually takes me about one to two hours to complete an album review. But that, but that doesn't include the twice I've listened to it before I started. Sometimes, if, if time doesn't allow, sometimes I'll just go straight in the office, put the computer on, put the CD on, and just review it there and then, and that might just take me two hours. That's, that's, that's my normal way of working. And, and I always, you know, like, like we all do, we listen to a CD, and we always have a favourite track, don't we? Top track, we think, well, that's yeah. the best track. And, and, and I'll always make a reference to that in the review. I'll say, you know, the smooth jazz therapy top track is whatever. Or I'll say, in terms of personal favourites, this is the one that hits the spot for me. So I'll always tell, I'll always tell the readers the track I like best anyway. And, and quite often, you know, there's always radio singles come, come out before a CD comes out. I quite often pick a top track that isn't, which, which isn't the radio single. Sometimes there's better tracks buried away on the CD yes. that the radio stations never get to hear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's Mike and I were talking about that the other day. Exactly. Yeah, you know, the label, just, the label doesn't even send a CD to the radio station. It just sends a single. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to name names as far as labels are concerned. They were bad at doing that, but we all know who they are. And you, you just get the single. You don't get the album. And, and yeah. if, you, if you go back to them and say, can I have the whole album? Like, it's, wow, what, what, what do you want the whole album for? We sent you the single. And, and as I say, like, for people who really like the music, you know, there's things to be found on those CDs that are really mm-hmm. special sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, so, yes, so, yeah, I have... I have listened. I have have listened to um, CDs, and I totally agree with you. Where the label has picked this single for the first release, and I'm like, no, it should be this one. This one is much better. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah I agree. And sometimes, they get, sometimes they get to the right one after about three attempts. They release one, it doesn't get much radio play. Then they release another yeah. one, it does a bit better. And then third time around, they kind of hit the spot with it. But, you know, we picked that one out in the first place anywhere. Right. It's sort of like, yeah. and it reminds me like back in the day when the 45s were out, and there was side A and side B, and they always played the side A. And then some one day a DJ would turn over and play the song on side B, and that would be the hit song. Yeah. 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 I used to like 45s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm telling my age now, but definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that hit with the side B. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah, so, wow. So, I mean, that, so that's my process, and, and also I have a similar process if I'm interviewing an artist. I normally interview them on Skype. Uh, so what I do is I do a lot of research before before I call them up. So I've got some set questions. So I write mm-hmm. down the set questions on a piece of paper, and I leave a big blank space underneath. Whatever they tell me, I just scribble notes into it as they talk to me. And then after the, after the interview's over, after the call's finished, I just take all the scribbles and the notes, and it takes me about two hours to write up an interview like that, that way. A fabulous okay. interview I did not too long ago was with... Uh, Michael Franks, and it just went on and on. We I, we could have talked all day. It was fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed him as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have to yeah. say, um, I you know, my hats off to you and all of the other reviewers out there, Jonathan Widran and and Ronald Jackson. You guys do really good reviews, great reviews, and 
you know, sometimes Mike and I will get a, an email from an artist asking us what we thought, what we think about their song or if we would write something. And all I can say is either I like it or I don't like it. It's okay. You know, I can't, I, I'm, that's not me. I'm not a, a writer. So it's, it, it's hard for me to do that. So my hat's off to you and all the others that do that. You guys do a great job and a great service sure for these artists. Yeah, and, yeah, and you know, right. it, it, and, and, and like Terry said, just piggyback on what she said. You know, we we get a lot of uh, submissions from artists, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm like Terry. I don't know what to really write, just but just but how I feel about it. But like they say, you know, now you guys are such a uh, such such credible reviewers that you know mm-hmm. the guys they really trust you guys. You know, to yeah. send them send, to send you their CDs and to kind of you know kind of help them get their career started because sometimes if a promoter that you guys have reviewed their city and you like it, then they'll take, you know, a uh, look at the guy because of you right. guys, um, which is basically a, basically a good recommendation and everything. Yeah. So they'll definitely look at that, you know. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and of course, it, 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 it's good for the artists to get the word out there because, you know, as soon as a review of mine appears on the site, well, somebody only has to Google it and it'll come straight up. So those artists' names is out there straight away, you know, connected to the sites for which I write. Uh, I mean, you, you, I, I know, Terry, that you interviewed the Uptown Band the other week, didn't you? You had them on the show. The yeah. Uptown Band. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I, I, I reviewed both their albums, you know, when, when at a time when they weren't getting much uh, mm-hmm. m- much written word about them. And, you know, they're a great little band, though. They're really good. And, uh, and, and, and I know since I've uh, uh, put my reviews up there about the Uptown Band, you know, they've had a lot of hits. You know, people have searched for them and found them. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it it is it is it is another way of uh, of artists gaining recognition simply by you know, having their music reviewed on my site or a site like it on somebody else's site because you know that's what we do these days, isn't it? We Google things, we put it in there, and 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 and, and that's when all the information comes back. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yes. Well, I will be. I'm. I'm sure you're getting. You know, just about everybody's music, um, anyway, for review. But I definitely will be referring artists to you as well. Um, Please, I'm curious. Do. Yeah. Have you heard of violinist Josh Vietti? Violinist? No, I haven't. There's, there aren't many contemporary jazz violinists around, are there? There's, uh, I'm trying to think of contemporary jazz violinists now. No, I've not heard of the guy in question. I'm okay. thinking, who am I thinking? Uh, Mark Cargill out of Los Angeles is a contemporary jazz violinist, isn't he? I'm trying to think who else might be. Oh, uh, uh, Karen Briggs, of course. Yeah, she mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's um, probably the best known one. Uh, Josh's CD is called Between Two Worlds, and uh, I think um, his he's more of a hip-hop violinist, uh, but oh, it's nice. really, really, really good, really good. Uh, I think he would like him. You check him out and um, check out his music. Um, he does an awesome cover of Can You Stand the Rain. and. Uh, oh, his CD is really, really good. So I have referred him to um, other reviewers as well, so I definitely want to refer him to you and see what you think of his oh, music. Great. 
Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Well, if you could, if you could, if you could send me a link on an email or as a Facebook message or something, Terry, that would be great. Okay. I will. Okay. I, I will check him out and I'll reach out to him and see if I can get hold of the CD. Okay. All right. We'll do. All right, Mike. You have any other questions? Yeah. Uh, no, that's it. That's it for me. Um, like I said, I think you know Dennis kind of summed up everything. You know, yeah. plus what I had uh, for him. I know I told well, you 30 well, minutes, Dennis, but I had to. I, you know, it's just so interesting. I just wanted to hear, you know, <laughs> um, get, learn as much about you as we possibly could. So thank you. I mean, the way, the, the way I am, you know, as, as soon as I start start talking about music, I, you know, I can go on for hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the problem, but I think it's I think it's brilliant the, the sort of forum that you were providing uh, here for for people uh, you know to talk about music in general and for people to listen in and get different opinions and different perspectives. I think that's I think that's I think it, I think it's a marvelous thing that you do, and I think it's uh, you know it's it's quite unusual and it, it's really appreciated. Well, ditto. Uh, that goes back to you as well. We we appreciate what you do, what you're doing for the audience. I'm the audience, the artists, to help get their music yeah. out there and help get them, you know, right. get to get it read and help them um, get that exposure on the written side. So, thank you for that <laughs> as well. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure, and certainly, you know, f- for those listening today or, or, or listening afterwards on the podcast, uh, you know, if anybody, you know, wants to write to me about particular tracks that they've heard and they would like you know, me to mention or refer to, let me know. I do a thing at Christmas. I always do, I always do my top 20 of, of the year, and I, I, I always publish that between Christmas and New Year. And I always invite uh, uh, readers to uh, uh, send me their own top 20s, and we sometimes have some good fun with those because I can pick 20 of the tracks I think were fantastic, and then somebody else picks 20 completely different ones. And it just mm-hmm. goes to show, you know, what what mm-hmm. a brilliant genre that we're involved in. That there can be that mm-hmm. wide range of music because yeah. we've already said, you know, whether it's straightforward, uh, smooth jazz, whether it's well, whether it's urban jazz, whether it's whether it's fusion, whatever, you know, it's such a wide spectrum. So there's so much yeah. in it there for everybody. You know, it's just nice to share That's ideas true. and thoughts about what people think is uh, is is their particular cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I do have one more question now that uh, Dennis, you know, kind of kind of mentioned it. Um, you know, with the um, you being in the UK, do you do you have any favorite jazz festivals that you attend? Festivals. Uh, well, the festival. I'm, 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 what I we do spend some time in the USA, right? So we're based in the UK, but for four times a year we get out to San Diego. So uh, for eight weeks of the year, I'm a Southern Californian kind of a guy. Anyway, uh, we, we we always make sure we see some gigs when we're, when when we're in San Diego. Uh, and although we uh, we don't go to any of the big festivals, we like to do some of the outdoor concerts to go on in Southern California, like Thornton Winery, uh, yeah. the, the Hyatt at Newport Beach, we like that. Uh, but of course, you know, as you know better than me, th- there aren't as many of those shows around now as what there were, say, 10 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's less, less of them. Uh, 
but but whenever we're out there, you know, we we, we, we like to we, we, we kind of choose. We like to pick the artist that we maybe haven't seen before or particularly want to see again. And you know, we'll we'll go up to Temecula or we'll go up to LA and we'll see somebody. We'll go to Spagatinis and and places like that. And that's that's where we tend to see our live music. In the UK, we can always see live smooth jazz yeah. now. Uh, at, a, at a sequence of events that is run in a, in, in a jazz club in London called the Pizza Express. You might have right. heard of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, a, and, a, and a lot of uh, US stars, in fact, you know, big name artists play there now. You know, everybody's played there in the last year. Anybody you can think of has been there. So maybe once every two or three weeks, there's a, there's a top-notch smooth jazz uh, performance there and so and I get to see some of those as well oh good good alright well thank well, you on, again and, 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 and one more thing just as in answer to the same question uh, we've also been on five of the smooth jazz cruises okay. and, and you know that's, that's as good as a festival because that's that's wall to wall music for seven days, you know, like um, Oh yeah. I love the jazz. As many cruises. gigs as you can think of. Look at the mm-hmm. cruises are brilliant. Yeah. So we've had a lot of fun mm-hmm. with those as well. Oh, okay, yeah. good, good. Well Dennis, thank you again. It's uh been such a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Our own pleasure. So um Again, visit Dennis' website, smoothjazztherapy.com. You can follow him on Twitter at PoolJazz, that's P-O-O-L-E, Jazz. Are you on Instagram? No, I'm not on Instagram, but as you say, okay. Twitter, I'm PoolJazz, and, and, uh, and I, 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 I like interacting on Twitter. I think it's fun, and uh-huh. uh, you can also find me on Facebook, as you know. Okay. All right. Well, thank sure. you again, sir. You have a good evening. And yeah, you. Thank you. Have a good evening. All right, yeah. thanks, Dennis. Hope the Cowboys win. Bye. <laughs> What's the score, Mike? <laughs> the Mike score right cool. now, uh, we're losing. We're losing fourteen to three. So yeah, it's bad. That's good. That's good. You made you made the right choice talking to me after all. That's, <laughs> That's <all>. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're definitely right about that. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Thank you again, Dennis, and thanks to Joe from Germany for hanging out with us in the chat room. Mike, you have anything to add? Uh, nothing else from me, sorry. All right. You've been listening to Talking Smooth Jazz with your host, the Jazz Queen. And Mike Reynolds. And we look forward to Talking Smooth Jazz with you again next time. Until then, keep it smooth. Dennis, have a great evening. Thank, Thank you, you for you. listening Bye-bye. to Talking Smooth Jazz. Please visit our websites, TalkingSmoothJazz.com and Mastermind-Entertainment.com. Join our Facebook fan and group pages and follow us on Twitter at Jazz underscore Queen and The Daily Grind. That's T-H-A Daily Grind.